The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated French Open in years, and Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your smart TV or your phone live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to continue their legacy on the clay courts? From the first serve to the final point, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all happens. Welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. I am almost speechless on the first week of Wimbledon. It, can you believe how wild the first week of Wimbledon is? I'm coming to you on the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July to everybody in America that listens to this episode. It's a great day, and the reason I picked this day, although it is a holiday, is because the quarterfinals are set and we can move on from there. But we need to recap everything that happened in the first week of Wimbledon. So much has happened. I was glued to the TV. Luckily, I don't work till nights. So I, every morning, was just glued to the TV. I think I tweeted at one point, new wake-up routine, watch Wimbledon. I would watch it all morning into the afternoon. I'd put it on at work so that I could see some you know, some of the actions still going on. The drama was there. The storylines were there. The upsets were there. Everything has been there. Even a surprise appearance from Roger Federer, which I will get to in a little bit. But man, the trash talk was real. Everything was in the first week of Wimbledon. And boy, was it entertaining. Let's get right to it. We're going to start at the top of the bracket. And there's really not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to what's going on up here. Other than Tim Van Rijthoven. Um, If you remember... He won the Labima Open that is in the Netherlands, and he kind of came out of nowhere. He beat Daniil Medvedev, actually, in the final there, and he went on an absolute terror. If you don't remember that, you can look back at one of my old episodes, but he beat um, he beat Taylor Fritz in that tournament. He beat Felix Ogia-Aliassim in that tournament. Hugo Gaston, and then he also beat Daniil Medvedev. So he was on a terror then, and he got a wild card into Wimbledon, and he did not disappoint. I think a lot of people are happy they got to see this guy play, and that he got a wild card into this tournament. If I remember correctly, he had to write them to ask for a wild card into this tournament because he was playing in other tournaments and made it farther than maybe he would expect it. Something like that. He had to ask for a wild card, and he got one. He actually makes it all the way to the round of 16 to face Novak Djokovic and loses in four sets. He puts up a heck of an effort against Novak Djokovic and just a great tournament really um going from someone who's you know not really ranked high at all and no one knows who he is to all of a sudden playing on center court in the round of 16 against Novak Djokovic the tournament that he had and the last couple or you know the last month I would say that he had I'm really hoping something good comes out of it because he is an incredible player and he is fun to watch. Let's move on. Um, Yannick Sinner and Stan Wawrinka was a first-round match. Really good first-round match. Uh, Yannick Sinner comes out of that. John Isner plays incredible in the second round against Annie Murray. Some of his best tennis that 
you know, fans have ever seen, people have ever seen him play. He beats Andy Murray on center court in four sets. So he goes on to play Yannick Center. On the bottom part of this short side of the bracket, uh, Carlos Alcaraz beats Struff in five sets. He goes on to play Yannick Sinner in the round of 16, and he beats, or sorry, he loses to Yannick Sinner. Sorry, 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 sorry. I said the wrong word. Yannick Sinner beats Carlos Alcaraz, and Sinner was just the better player on this day in the round of 16. He he played great. He's been playing great. He had to play great to beat John Isner, and he does that. I mean, look at the draw that he's had. Vavrinka. Michael Yimer, and then he goes on to play John Isner and then to Carlos Alcaraz. He runs right into Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals. That's pretty much the top half of the top half of the tournament. Uh, if you keep going down, the three-seed Casper Ruud loses in the second round to Hugo Humbert, and then it kind of opens the door of this entire side. Um, Francis Tiafo's in this side, Bublik's in this side, uh, and then, you know, Pablo Carina Busta is in this side. It really just opens up for anybody to really be able to make it to the quarterfinals on this side. And the person they're going to have to run into is a Cam Nori, you know, who's ranked nine. So it really opens up the semifinal spot, especially on this top half of the bracket in order to play into Novak Djokovic or Yannick Sinner. Francis Tiafo has a great tournament. He comes in, he beats Bublek in the third round. Then David Goffin, we've been waiting for him to, you know, turn up again like he was at one point. He was the top eight player, I believe, at one point. He beats Francis Tiafo in five sets, 7-5 in the fifth. He plays a great tournament. He's into the quarterfinals. Francis Tiafo had opened up for him, but still making it to the round of 16. Really, really good stuff from the American and always entertaining and fun to watch. Like I said, this is still in the open side of the bottom side of the top bracket. So Cam Nori playing Cam Nori type tennis right now. He's playing his best tennis at the right time. I thought that possibly Tommy Paul could make a run here, and he did because Hubie Hercoc lost in the first round to that Davidovich Fakina, who has had a great you know couple months as well. But Tommy Paul makes it all the way to the round of sixteen. Unfortunately, he loses to Cam Nori. Cam Nori's in the quarterfinal. The quarterfinal there is David Gaffin and Cam Nori. Grigor Dimitrov losing the first round also uh, in this side of the bracket to Stevie John- to Steve Johnson, so the American. So a couple upsets in the top side, but you just wait until we get to the bottom side of this bracket. Uh, the lucky loser, Yimer, uh, he gets on the top, top side of this bottom side of the bracket, and he ends up losing in the first round to uh, Garen. So we'll get to Christian Garen here in a little bit, but it kind of opened up the door for him. Alex Damanur's in this side of the bracket. He has a great tournament. Liam Brody has a great tournament. Brody goes on to beat Diego Schwartzman in the second round. Then he runs into the Aussie, which is Alex Damanur, in the third round. But Liam Brody making it that far as a wild card, especially beating the 12 seed uh, Diego Schwartzman. A great thing to see. This is the top side the top, top side of the bottom half of the bracket where we are right now. Uh, Alex Damanur ends up running into Christian Guerin, and that match was a great match. Damanur was actually up two sets to love, and Guerin comes back and beats him in a fifth-set tiebreaker. I mean, this match had everything that you need in a match, really. It had the drama, had had the adrenaline, and had an all-time comeback by Guerin to make it this far. Jack Draper also on this side. The Brit had a good run. Uh, Jensen Brooksby lost to Garen in the third round, but Christian Garen, he's moving on. He's in the quarterfinals. Diego Schwartzman really had a wide open door here and kind of left it all open. Let's get down to who plays in that quarterfinal against Garen, which is the top half of the bottom half of the bracket, and Chapo. 
Shapo loses again early on in this tournament. Denis Shapovalov loses in the second round to Brandon Nakashima. Now, Brandon Nakashima, the youngster, the American, he does have a great tournament, but Shapo's ranked 13 in the world, and this continues to be a problem for him. He continues to make random early exits from tournaments, Grand Slams, Masters 1000s, 250s, you name it. He's been doing that. So not quite sure what's wrong there, but we'll probably address that again another day. But that, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Chapo goes out in round two as the 13th seed. Roberto Batista Agut, he loses in the second round as well, the 17th seed. He's out, and then this kind of opens the door because in this in this kind of side of the bracket, Nick Kyrgios is in here as an unseeded player, which is, like, insane. And then still, Stefano Tsitsipas is the four seed, so you think this is his route. Well, in the third round, it's Kyrgios versus Tsitsipas. And if I had three hours to talk about this match, I could legit fill all three hours and talk about this match. This match has been the match of the tournament, hands down. Kyrgios and Stefano Tsitsipas was literally out of a blockbuster movie. It had everything. It went four sets. It had mad drama. It had crazy drama, tennis drama, that makes its way into you know everyday sports world drama just because of how thick it was. Now, Kyrgios has had a good run against Tsitsipas, especially as of late. I believe he's beat him three times in a row coming into this match. So he said he felt like the favorite going into this match. Because of that, and he plays really well on grass. So even though Tsitsipas is the four seed, that didn't phase Nick Kyrgios. Now, this match literally had everything. In the first set, uh, it goes to a tiebreaker. Kyrgios comes out on top. There was some big drama in the first set, something with the line. You know, the line judges weren't calling the ball right, or, you know, there were a couple times where they got it wrong, and then Kyrgios was upset and said, please replace that guy. And it got to the point where Kyrgios was like, chirping in between you know first and second serves of Sitsipas. and the chair umpire really didn't say anything about this there was a lot going on in this match there was a while there where Kyrgios like every every time in between points he was upset about something I don't know what it was but he was talking to people he was chirping people he ended up getting a warning at one point because he said something to a line judge that the line judge reported I mean mad drama in this one and then you look at what happened with Sitsipas. Uh, he ends up getting upset in this one. He looked on edge ever since the beginning of it. He he didn't look quite right, that's for sure. He was, you know, in his zone, you could tell, and he wasn't trying to get out of his own head. He was so focused. He looked so focused, and maybe it was a little bit too focused, to be honest. And you could tell he started to get a little frustrated. At one point, I don't know at what point this was. It might have been after the first set. It was something. He lost something. He hit a ball into the stands and actually ended up going straight into the stands. It wasn't like a looper. It went straight into the stands, and it almost hit someone. It goes right past him. And Nick Kyrgios got really upset about this. He said, if I would have done that, I would have been ejected. You can see this online. But he would have said, I would have been ejected. So then he gets a supervisor out. He gets an, another judge out. He's arguing with the umpire. And this really sets him off. He gets upset for a long while after this. At another point, that's a warning for Sitsipas. At another point, Sitsipas did something. He gets a game penalty, or not a game penalty, a point penalty. Starts 15 love. I didn't really understand what happened at that point. I don't know, but there was drama back and forth. These two were going back and forth. They were talk. They were talking loud. They were upset about a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff was happening during this match, and it was going back and forth. You could feel the tension through the television. I'm sure you could feel the tension crazy if you were actually there. But there was just a ton of stuff happening in this match, and it 
it it was literally like a movie. I don't know how else to explain it. It was crazy that this was happening in tennis. John McEnroe was like, I can't believe Kyrgios is disrespecting the game like this. And then people got on McEnroe because, you know, he's been known to do some, you know, tactics and antics like Kyrgios was doing during this match. But it was crazy. And so what happened was in the post-match press conference, Sitsipas is like, he bullies people. I don't, like, this is what he does. He's a bully. He was probably a bully in school. And he really, like, goes after Kyrgios. And then Kyrgios comes back at him and is like, dude, I'm not a bully. No one likes you. You know, he's like, he says, he says maybe he should figure out how to beat me. Like, he, Kyrgios says that about Sitsipas. He goes, I don't know why he's worried about me. At one point he said, no one likes Sitsipas. He's a complainer, you know. In the locker room, I'm actually very well liked, is what Curio says. He goes, no one likes Sitsipas. He says stuff like that. So even in the press room, this thing got crazy. This match was insane. There was so much drama in it, and I think there'll be a lot of stuff that comes out of this because the way these two were on court and the way this was was just, I mean, at points it was hard to watch. It really was. Uh, so much so, um, Sitsipas got fined $10,000. Uh, for hitting the ball into the stands, and Kyrgios got fined four thousand dollars for you know putting an audible obscenity out there is what is what is what the fact is. So I mean th this match was just insane. I don't know how else to, how else to explain it. Kyrgios comes out on top. He makes it to the quarterfinals. He's actually going to. Well, he made it to the round four there. He beat Nakashima in a fifth set, and he will play Garen in the quarterfinals with a very good chance. He's playing very good tennis right now. Uh, very good chance to make it into the semis. Let's go back into the bottom side of the bracket. We'll get into uh, kind of the quarterfinals here, and then we'll get into a little bit more. But, I mean, I'm telling you, that Kyrgios Sitsipas was the match of the tournament so far. It had so much in it. And you could go look up some. I tweeted a few of the quotes and stuff after the match. You're going to want to grab some popcorn and check out everything that happened there. In the bottom, bottom side of the bracket, this kind of opened up for a lot of Americans to make a run in it. Uh, Felix Ogiele, I've seen the sixth seed, another Canadian, loses in the first round to Maxime Cressy. Cressy is good, but you're the sixth seed, bro. I don't think he should be losing in the first round, no matter how good Cressy is, especially the way FAA has been playing lately. He had a great run at, at Roland Garros and kind of falls apart here at Wimbledon. He loses to Maxime Cressy. Jack Sock has a great tournament. Boy, was this fun to watch for Jack Sock. Jack Sock plays an incredibly long um Second round match against Cressy. Wins in the first round as a qualifier. Plays a long second round match against Cressy. Wins in four sets and then loses to Jason Kubler, who is the Australian in the third round. Going down on this side, uh, Holger Rune loses first round. But Taylor Fritz beats Lorenzo Musetti. Goes on to beat Kubler and is in the quarterfinals. That is a quarterfinalist at the bottom side of the bracket. And God, it's good to see Taylor Fritz play this well. He is the only American man left in this tournament, and man, is it good to see him playing good tennis at such a good time. He always plays good at Wimbledon. You remember last year he had a great tournament, but man, this is going to be fun to watch him play Rafa. I mean, who else is going to be at the bottom side of the bracket in the quarterfinal? Uh, Van de Sandsculpt, Botek Van de Sandsculpt, he played all the way to the round of 16, but he loses to Rafael Nadal. Nothing really exciting happened on the very bottom side of the bracket. Uh, Richard Gasquet made it to... You know, he, he he was unseated, but he's a very good player. He loses to Van Zanschkult. Uh 
So nothing really exciting happened on this side of the bracket. Some misinterpretation happened with Rafa Nadal and Lorenzo Sanego. Something happened at the net. I'm not really sure. There was some drama there. But uh, Nadal apologized, actually. So it, that was really interesting to see. What are we going to see in the quarterfinals? In the quarterfinals, it's Nadal versus Fritz to make it on the very bottom side. As much as I'd love to say Fritz is going to win this match, I don't know that he can. I hate to go against him, but I think Nadal makes it a semifinal for sure. Kyrgios and Garen, I think Kyrgios actually wins this and makes it to the semi there. Cam Norrie and Goffin, I think Cam Norrie's playing great tennis. And then Sinner, I think he makes it. Sinner and Djokovic, I think Djokovic wins this match, although Yannick Sinner is playing great tennis right now. So in my head, it's going to be Djokovic, then Cam Norrie, then it's going to be Nick Kyrgios and Nadal, and it's hard to pick anybody that's going to be in the final other than Nadal and Djokovic, but uh, just for the sake of it, I'm going to put Nick Kyrgios in the final against Novak Djokovic just because of the way that Kyrgios is playing right now, and I think he actually not only can frustrate Rafa Nadal, but also Nadal you know, might be toning down once it gets to the semis, but I mean, really Nadal could win this thing for sure. I'm just trying to pick out of the box a little bit because I get sick of picking the big three all the time. So my pick to win it still is Novak Djokovic. If you've been listening at all, you know he's my pick to win it and why he's my pick to win it because he is so good. And I think I, it was even on Twitter and Instagram the other day. I just think it's his time to shine. A couple notes and then I'll get out of here. A couple notes about the first week of Wimbledon. Unfortunately, Matteo Berrettini, we didn't get to watch him play because he went down with COVID. He must have been symptomatic. They don't test at the tournaments anymore as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know. And he actually went down with COVID. He is out of Wimbledon, and so is Marin Cilic, who went down with COVID. So very unfortunate we didn't get to see these two players play. Both of them playing great tennis coming into this tournament, and I was really excited to see what they could do. No doubt in my mind that Matteo Berrettini would be in the quarterfinals right now if he was able to play in this tournament. But unfortunately, not able to play in this tournament. Another thing is Roger Federer made an appearance at this tournament. Uh, it's the 100 years of center court. And the fans and everybody, the tennis community, love to see Roger Federer come back on center court and be recognized as an eight-time champion at center court and at the All England Club of Wimbledon. And so it was really good to see him back at Wimbledon. And he gave a speech and said, I hope to be back here one more time. So that's something to look forward to next year. I don't know. I think it'd be like 41 at that point. Who knows what happens, but... That'd be insane, and I would love it. Uh, on the tennis front, four Americans made it to the you know singles fourth round for the first time since 1999. That's Tommy Paul, Nakashima, Tiafo, and Taylor Fritz. So that was really cool to see. Um, keep going on this front, American tennis. John Isner, he became the all-time aces leader um, since these were tracked in 1991. He beats... Ivo Karlovic, who had 13,728, he passed that, and now he's got 13,748. He goes 20 more, and he's not stopping anytime soon. Will this streak ever be you know, beaten? I'm not so sure. Just because he played a match where it, I don't know how many aces he had in that match. That was like 71-69 or whatever against uh, Nicholas Mahout, but he had to have a gazillion aces in that, and I don't know if someone can play that much tennis uh, as much as he has. And if you're a really good acer, you're usually tall, and who knows if you can last that long on you know on, play, on hard court, on grass, on clay, on anything, on the surface, on your knees, on your body, and he's played well into his 30s. I believe he's like 37 or something. So a great feat by the American John Isner. 
and it is really good to see him playing at such a high level still at his age. Last thing before we get out of here, I just got to mention the absolute uh, crime that the U.S. Open Twitter account did on a Seahawks fan. Uh, if you haven't seen this, you got to go on Twitter and see this. What happened is, you know, the U.S. Open tweeted something about a good match or, or a, a good highlight or something, and a Twitter account named like Seahawks something, something, something tweeted, not a sport. And the U.S. Open, this isn't verbatim, but it's pretty much what they said is they said something along the lines of like, not a sport, says somebody who's about to watch 17 games with Drew Locke as their quarterback and literally put this fan in a body bag. And ever, every, it blew up everywhere. Uh, Barstool Sports, uh, Sports Center, it really put U.S. Open on the map and it was trending for a while. And I can say I've never been so proud for that to be our home open here in the America, in the United States. And to it was already my favorite Grand Slam, and it just exceeds it tenfold that it's my favorite grand slam just because their twitter department's absolutely savage it was amazing you gotta just literally look up uh u.s open seahawks on 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 like google or something you'll see it it was it was great i loved every second of it and it was funny um the the first week of wimbledon has been a great week there's been so much drama in it there's been so much uh, you know, love and support for the sport. Billie Jean King was there for a while. Um, and really, there's been good parody in the sport. Other than Novak and Rafa still being in it, you got, you know, the bad boy tennis, Nick Kyrgios is still in it. There's been some controversy. There's been some really good stuff happening in the first week of tennis. There's been some bad stuff as well, but for the most part, been a lot of good stuff. And Roger Federer caps off week number one as being on center court for the 100-year reunion. Week one's been great. I can't wait to see what happens in this second week. I think it could be very special. I'm very excited to watch what happens in this second week. You should be as well. Turn it on. It's on ESPN. It's on ABC. They're starting to get real primetime spots uh, on ABC. Like, not primetime as in America, but primetime in England. Putting them on ABC during the day. It's been great to watch. Check it out. You're not going to regret it. There's a lot going on. On the women's side, Serena Williams lost in the first round. Venus Williams played in doubles with uh, Jamie Murray and lost in like the second or third round, but played great tennis. Serena Williams lost to Harmony Tan. Anisimova is actually keep going on. She made the quarterfinals as the American. She's been great to watch. There's two Americans left, Anisimova and Taylor Fritz. So watch the Americans. It's a good 4th of July present for all of us. Have a fun, safe 4th of July week. You probably got to return to work soon, but there's no middle Sunday this year in Wimbledon, so they're going right through. We'll talk about a recap next week. I appreciate you listening. Check it out this week. It's a lot of fun to watch, and be safe out there. We'll see you in the next episode in one week from today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.